Welcome to Talent Matters, the podcast where talent, skills and determination take centre stage. I'm your host, Donald O'Donoghue, and each episode we dive into the world of applying talent in various aspects of life. Whether it's careers, sport or creative, Talent Matters explores how the right mix of talent, skills and grit can propel us towards achieving our goals. Join us as we uncover stories, insights and strategies from a diverse range of guests who have tapped into their talents to create remarkable achievements. This podcast is brought to you by Sanderson, a leader in global talent solutions. Ray Goggins is a former Special Forces operative with the Army Ranger Wing. He's well known as Chief Instructor on Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week and as a best-selling author. In this episode, he shares his experiences from his time in the Army, transition to civilian life, and his insights on leadership and training. Let's get into it. How are you, Ray? Don. Uh, good to see you again. Good to see you. Great. Thanks for doing this. This yeah. is... Uh, this is obviously the Talent Matters podcast and the conversations that we're having are all about that connection between talent and skill and grit with people that have interest in lives and interesting careers. And you've had one of those. Uh, had. My current career isn't great. <laughs> I'm joking. No, it's, it is. Yeah, look, I suppose it's, it wasn't the norm, I guess. But um, a lot of the things you're talking about, your three topics, kind of were threaded through all of it at different stages mm. where, you know, sometimes it's your natural talent will get you through something or your natural ability then yeah. your created skills that you've learned will help and then underwriting all that is the grit grit's the big thing isn't it for me it's the baseline like you know so when you go back when you go back to before before the military and you go back to the the kids you were growing up when you were in you know school and secondary school what what were the kind of talents or what were the kind of things that you gravitated towards yeah um I grew up in the north side of Cork City, so, you know, youngest of a large family. So hurling was the all-important thing, which I was brutal at. I was a mm. terrible hurler. Wanted to be great, I was rubbish. Uh, so f- my kind of thing was swimming, mm-hmm. and my thing was running, but more so swimming from a very early age. I always felt a comfort in water, and we lived very close to a, a corporation uh, pool that I used to go so often that I would get in for free, and, the, mm. you know, the, the staff would let me in on my own. So yeah. I'd spend hours over there on my own. Like just swimming, yeah, just swimming and being, and that was my thing. I yeah. just loved water. Yeah, just something about it. And what about school? What were you like in yeah, school? Yeah, I was middle of the road. Uh, <clears throat> I was never the smartest or brightest. I was quite lazy, mm. uh, studying wise, really lazy. Um, I was probably a lot brighter than my results would say. Um, or probably a lot brighter than the traditional rote learning school system brings out out of people because it 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 do, you yeah know, it, it's it's a certain it's a certain yeah, type of it, person that will do well. I agree, and I wasn't like I actually had a very good memory, and the memory test side of it was an issue for me. The issue was I had no kind of I didn't feel the reason why I should be studying so hard for something I didn't like doing. Mm. Uh, it was a Christian brother school as well. It was pretty robust yeah. back in the seventies and eighties, and. Uh, yeah, like, and again, it was hurling-based school. I mm. wasn't into that side of things, you know. So yeah. I never kind of, again, it was just, I was just very grey, bland, yeah. middle of the road. Mm. Never in trouble, never too good, that kind of way, you know. So. And what did you think when you were in school? What did you imagine you'd do as a, as a soldier? Uh, it was always yeah. on the radar, was yeah, it? Cause it was just, I always believed, and that's the one thing, I always believed that's what I would end up doing. Mm. Um, and I had no doubt that that's what I was going to do, no matter what. Mm. I didn't want to be an engineer. I didn't want to be a doctor. I wanted to be a soldier, and that was it. 
And when was the first uh, chance to apply? Um, what was the process like to, to, uh, to yeah, join I up? Was for me, I made a deal with my mom that I'd do my leave insert, which I did. Um, uh, and I joined up when I was 18. So I left school at kind of 17, spent a year working on a billing site and then went straight into the army as soon as I could. Mm. Uh, once I was old enough. So that was, that was it for me. And did you know it was your thing when you... When yeah. yeah. I found like a comfort to it. I mentioned about the water thing there. Mm. For me, the army, like I was made for it. Mm. I was made for the military and that style of life because, you know, I had done some other things. I, I d- did some martial arts when I was younger as well. And that discipline and that kind of habit routine, you know, like even the team part of it, mm. I really took it very, very quickly. Like I yeah. really enjoyed it. And we were only talking about this earlier on because Bernard, who owns uh, Studio 44, is one of the co-directors of Studio 44. I know him for a long time because we were involved in martial arts, obviously, when, when we were young. But a lot of the skills that come with that in terms of even, like, I remember being, you know, 16, 17 years of age and you're, you know, teaching classes, organizing people, you know, organizing trips to go places. And and, yeah. and uh, it does, it gives young people, I think, a lot of structure and that respect and that determination for people that stick with it and progress you know there's there's something very powerful in it and uh, no, i agree and, and what i took out of say the martial arts side of things is that discipline mm. and that like you know putting the time in understanding that you have to put the work in to get the results and sometimes the process mm. is as important as where you're going with it you know yeah uh, and I, I love that side of it my brother-in-law who was my my trainer my master he was just very unassuming you know, no ego. It's just about effort all the time. And mm. that really kind of resonated to me. It's yeah. something I always kind of looked at then. Yeah. And it was like almost my yardstick for people that I would be drawn to as leaders, as commanders of mine, as, you know, yeah. like colleagues, people who work like that. They're not too fond of themselves. Yeah. And they just get on with it. Yeah. I remember my dad brought me, because my dad did a bit of martial arts for, for a while back in the 80s when everybody was doing martial arts. And we were we were looking for a club for ages. And eventually, uh, he he brought myself and a couple of my mates up to the local taekwondo club, which was which was growing. And uh, I remember after the first training session, he he uh, I came out and he said to me, "Do you think you'll do you think you'll stick with it?" And I thought it was such a strange question, you know. Like for for me, the minute I walked in there, I knew it was my thing. Mm. And I said, "I love everything about it. I love you know the sounds, the smells, everything." I said, "What is that smell?" He just looked at me and he said, that's the smell of sweat and feet. I was like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's my yeah. thing, you that's, know? Yeah, that's the smell I've had all my life. <laughs> yeah, so I can relate to that. Though. <laughs> so anyway, going back to, to the, you know, when you joined the army, what was the path from, you know, uh, I suppose getting started to then seeing that there was the potential to move into the into the special forces side of things or the, or, or the army ranger wing? Yeah, so <clears throat> again, I was quite young starting, 18, went straight into it. Um, like, you know, round peg, round hole, everything about it just resonated to me. It just felt good all the time. Mm. I loved the, the work rate. I loved the madness of it as well. You know, mm. getting having to get up at five in the morning and out like cleaning stairs with a toothbrush as a mm. punishment or something. Mm. I actually, I understood why I was getting this done to me for discipline. So I, I, I spent nine years in the regular army. So I stayed in a, an infantry battalion in Cork where my father would serve and I had a brother serving there. It was great. I loved it. It was like one of the happiest times in my career because it was innocent. It was, you know, educational. Every day is a school day. You know, the crack was great. You know, mm. the slagging was great. I, I deployed overseas uh, four times to Lebanon in the 90s. It was pretty hairy in, in patches. Um, I was trained to be a junior leader. Um, I became a fitness physical training instructor, all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
but the range wing was something I heard about. I didn't really mm. know about it joining up at 18. I heard about it when I was in and you'd see them from time to time in different parts of the country or in barracks and they were always kind of quite aloof and mm. very kind of, you know, there was like a, some sort of like a menace or something about it. I don't know the right mm. word. And they, they were always just doing their own thing. No, they were quite friendly to chat to you if they were, if they were around, but uh, mm. something about them. So I kind of, you know, okay, I'll try this out. So I actually very early on in 92, I did my first selection course with no preparation. So how old were you back I was then? Uh, 20, 21. So yeah. I was old enough, like, but yeah. I was old enough. Physically, I was super fit, but I had the talent. Uh, I had the skill, but I didn't have the grit mm. at the time, which I found out to my detriment. So a couple of weeks into the course, uh, I quit. So what, what, what was the moment? What was that the, the point where you just felt? I, mean, I can't, I'm not. There's no more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couple of weeks in, uh, my fears, what broke me on the whole thing was I was fit enough, had all the, the kind of the right kind of tools to do it. I just didn't know how to access them at the time. Um, mm. I didn't believe in myself enough, which is the big one. I didn't think, I didn't see myself getting to where I needed to be. I never kind of played it in my head. Okay, this is where I'm going with this. Mm. So I just said, I- I'll see how it goes. Yeah. Which is like tantamount to disaster. Yeah. So that was the first thing. Second thing, I worried about everything. Mm. stuff I couldn't control. I worried about what will they make me do now? What will they make me do yeah. next week? What if, what if, what if? And any kind of strength I had was being undermined. So yeah. I was just totally it's worried. It's fear of the unknown as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Absolutely. Like there's nothing you can do about that. I learned down the line. So they kind of ate me up and I, I quit. So went back to the regular army, you know, got dogs abusing the lads, which is mm. how they cope with trauma with you, yeah. which is great. Uh, kind of, you know, went on, they got promoted and did all these things. But it was always there that I want. Mm. Like I knew I wasn't like I was a top one percent in my unit, and I was good at all this army stuff because I was born for it, as I said. Mm. But um, there was just something more I needed. Like mm. so, I went back, but I built myself up to go back. Tell me about that. So what what did you do? Because I was I was thinking about this stuff quite a bit because, as you know, as part of the podcast, we're talking to yourself, we're talking to people that have done extreme stuff. You know, like whether adventurers or whatever, and. Sometimes a lot of the grit and the mental preparation comes through building the physical capability. So what did you have to do? Was it was it mental or was yeah, it? Yeah, was it was a combination was, of all yeah. the above. So I, I physically, obviously, I, I train myself, but I train myself to deal with what I call chaos, as in I would have other friends in, in, in my unit who would, in, in the infantry, would set up a training morning for me. So a surprise event that I knew nothing about, mm. they just hit me with it and I have to do it. So that means I'm not ready for it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I have to deal with it. So what does that do for you? When you do that enough times, it just becomes your norm then. You don't worry about it coming up. Yeah. When it appears in front of you, you make the best of it. So what would be an example of something they would have surprised you with? Um, like bring you to a beach and make it like, you know, firing into water, making you go up sand dunes, uh, something like that, like sprint sessions, like, you know, battle PT sessions, carrying kit, mm. on combat sessions where yeah. one of my friends was a karate head mm-hmm. and I was Kung Fu and he'd bring me over to the gym and, kick the shot only basically for an hour, yeah, yeah. which is, you know, it just builds that intensity for you. So mm. if, and it builds a self-belief in your ability to deal with stuff mm. that you mightn't be ready for, Yeah, you know, like you, you won't get it perfect, but you, you'll give yourself a place where you can give yourself enough space that you can deal with the initial shock of it. Yeah. And then I want to get comfortable, but be able to move on with it then. Yeah. And that's all you can do. So what you're doing is you're taking the shock out of all these stresses, all these fears. Yeah. And then when you take that out of it, you're absolutely bulletproof. Yeah. You know, you've no, you, you won't struggle as much 
Yeah, it's almost like that cold water shock when it hits your body, yeah. isn't it? You just have to accept it. And yeah, and that's it. And once yeah. you, once your body relaxes, then then you're you're fine. Yeah, like, as you know from cold water stuff. Yeah, mm. it's, it's and it's the same for anything you take on. Yeah. I believe. So how long was there between your first attempt and the and going back okay, to so the second? Seven years. Mm. So I was, I was pretty scared. Yeah. So um, and there's also maturity. That yeah. Comes and there's a few things came on. Life got in the way. Did some other stuff, you know, um, career wise and personal stuff. Um, but I suppose a big catalyst for me was my father passed away the year before I went on selection, and again he was an old soldier. And like, I was kind of thinking, like, when am I actually going to do this? Like, mm. I've been kind of training for it ish. For so long, I've been putting it off, putting it off. So that was my catalyst. Mm. So like, my why or my reason for doing it, it was created then. Okay, yeah. why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to test myself and do something? No, I'm doing this because this is the life I want. And I want it more than all the things that are going to be in my way. Yeah. So that's what I built it from then. And then when you have that vision, when you have that in your head or your back pocket, <coughs> excuse me, where it's the bigger voice in your head than all the stuff that's hard, you get through it. Yeah. You will. You get over it, under it, through it, around it. You get lifted over by somebody, whatever you have to do. Mm. But you have to give meaning to what you're doing. And it has to be the most important thing. That And I did that. Yeah. And I was a different person. I wasn't as fit on the second course as the first. I was seven years older. But emotionally, psychologically, grit mindset, I was very, very kind of structured. Did you... Did you know all the way through that you were getting through it the second yeah, time around? No, no doubt. No doubt. No, it was really tough. There was, you know, you, you go to dark places mm. and you question why you're doing it. This is why I always bang on about the why. If your why is good enough, that dark place has a little torch in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you and don't. We, we see a snippet of it on the, on the TV show. Because for, yeah. for anybody that's watching from outside Ireland, uh, you've been the chief... What was it called? Yeah, the chief, chief instructor, chief instructor. Uh, on a, a special forces program. So we mm. simulate special forces training with civilians, you know, sports stars, whatever. Mm. Um, so we see a snippet of it. Snippet, but yeah, you get a the, week the, of re, it. the real selection lasts how long? Yeah, nowadays the current in, uh, kind of um, application of it is 11 months and two weeks. Yeah, so no, don't get me wrong. It's not that intensity all the time. Yeah. But it's not far off it most of the time. So it goes mm. up and down. So the failure rate is about 90%. You know, it's, and again, it's, it's not about, is do people who are fitter get through it? No. Mm. People who know who they are. People who know what they want. They know their limits. They know yeah. how to get up to their limits and even beyond them a little bit. Yeah. That's the people who get through. Yeah, the TV show has been brilliant. Uh, and it, it's been brilliant to see a snapshot of it because as somebody just watching it, you see the different personalities and you see the people that have, you know, prepared really well or that are really strong. And then you see the people that come in, maybe they're kind of peacocks and they're, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. the lingo and the buzzwords and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you see the quiet people. Like the, one of the people that really impressed me on it was Peter Stringer, yes. who was very quiet as he worked through it, but there was a real determination. Yeah, like um, he's an iron will. Mm. And like, that's what you need. If you have that iron will and you build that, why that grit, like there's very little will stop you. Mm. you know? And did you, when you were putting recruits through selection, when you were part of the the uh, the Ranger Wing, w- did you get good at spotting who you who you thought would make it, or was it is it yeah. is it difficult to call? <clears throat> it is, Donald. And I've been asked this question before. I've heard other special forces guys say, "Yeah, I can see this. I can see that." You get you get a couple of signs from people, but like you don't know what's going to happen. So what I would do, like the first 24, 48 hours. You get a kind of a snapshot of somebody and where they're at, maybe, you know, and you, you have a, a little idea about it. But you give yourself, when you get smarter, the scope to kind of, you know, 
that might go up or down or whatever because someone looks fantastic in one phase of a course and then the next thing they'll fail or they'll give up or whatever mm. you can't tell what's going on behind someone's eyes like you know yeah. you can see things but for me there's no concrete evidence so people can surprise you and yeah. I, that's what i love about it i remember when we started filming the first one um the executive producer was saying to me like you know the first day they were all getting arriving and this is our first time doing this now he wasn't sure what was going to happen and i wasn't either mm. but i didn't want to tell him that but I did. He said, look, yeah, on day three, we'll have this many on day five. And I said, uh, Jamie, this could be over in 10 minutes. The whole mm. album could pack up. And he was going, oh, Jesus, don't say that to me. I need six episodes for RT. Mm. So that's where we went. To it. But that's the beauty of it. That unknown. Once you embrace that unknown, that kind of factor that you can't actually control, like it absolutely is empowering. Like, no mm. matter what you're doing in your life, whatever your businesses or your pastimes or, or your challenges. Yeah. You know. So when you think about where you were actually deployed um, and, and when you had to apply what was very intense training, were you were you prepared for actually some of the situations that you found yourself in professionally? Yeah, as prepared as I can, could be because obviously you have, you know, training for something and the match are two different things because the intensity goes right up. Mm. And I remember uh, being in a deployment and I, I mentioned it a few times in the, the most physical an emotional experience I've ever had, um, you know, that physical mental connection was in a jungle environment where we had to make this trek overnight in, in a in a jungle environment where you don't, if anybody knows, you don't walk in the jungle at night, but we had to because of this mission. And like, it was absolutely horrendous because it was all mountainous. And only then in that moment, I realized why selection for special force has to be so tough because you have to pressure test your individuals, because whatever your process is, whatever your business, whatever your mission, doesn't matter. It's your people carry it out. Mm. And that's what you have to do. So I realized why I had to be so tough because, you know, if I had had the option on that operation that night, I'd quit and went home. You know, There's no was, turning back though. That's the, There isn't. Mm. Like there was five, five other guys with me and like I had to support them. And that's where a big part of it comes from as well. Like people think special forces are built from, you know, disco muscles and push-ups and blowing things up. It's actually not. It's the vulnerability of that team, as in your own personal weaknesses, vulnerabilities are supported by the rest of the team. Once you're open about them with your team and yourself, mm. then you can make them a strength because something that you're, you know, that catches you and you're constantly worried about, then get into it. Don't be afraid of it. Get into it. It's the only way you're going to get better is getting into it as yeah. much as you can. You, you talked a lot because we, we did some some work together a couple of years ago and, and you talked a lot about fear and how you manage fear. So what, when you think back on, on the career, what, what, what were the most frightening moments where you, you really had to yeah. center yourself and, and manage that? Do you know what? The biggest fear for me, right? Uh, strange enough, was never mortal fear. It was never about getting hurt or even getting killed. Mm -hmm. um, you, you just deal with that. It comes with a job, right? The biggest fear for me was letting people down, my team, my unit, you know. So that was always the biggest fear. And it wasn't just me. Most of the guys I worked with, that was the biggest thing because, like, you become part of something that's bigger than you are. And, like, that lifts you much further. So your fear factor for yourself is almost eliminated. Mm. But the thought of one of your friends being injured or hurt, that's a different kettle of fish, you know. And it's... It's almost a vulnerability, which you can, again, you work on because you get used to it. But the whole fear thing is like, it's not that you lack fear. You can't, it's impossible. Fear is okay. Like it's, a, it's actually a good thing within reason. Mm. It keeps you focused. It keeps you sharp. 
So be aware of it and, you know, embrace it, but control it, mm. manage it. You know, you can do that. Like, you can do that. Yeah. You can do it. So coming back to, I suppose, careers and skill acquisition and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, you moved on from, from the military and you're now a, a, a bit of a TV personality. It's got to be weird, isn't it? Spending the first part of your career uh, in the shadows oh, geez, and, yeah. and the second part taking selfies. Like, <laughs> yeah, like? yeah. Where does that go? Yeah, I know. Yeah, look. From uh, yeah, from Taliban to Instagram, <laughs> yeah. it's um yeah. Look, that that's probably look. Fear comes in loads of ways, and I'd probably be you know, I'd be more kind of comfortable in environments where other people would be afraid. The likes of you know working in Afghanistan and all these places because it's not that it suits me. I'm not I'm not a war junkie. I'm not into that stuff at all. I'm actually quite you know, kind of calm about bits and pieces, but um. It's the people you're with creates that environment for you. And I was always felt very comfortable with the people I was with in my professional career. So no matter what's happening outside you, you can deal with it. Mm. Whereas coming into the world then where, you know, I was launched out of the closet <laughs> by RT and everybody else, which I'd be honest, like I was reluctant to do it. Mm. And people probably think that's funny now because I'm on TV, five series into Hell Week, a book and whatever else I'm doing. I'm not, I'm still not comfortable with it. Mm. That's a, That's a good thing. Yeah, because it'll always give me a little bit of an edge where I'm nervous about it because it's not my natural kind of uh, thing. I yeah. don't like, you know, people might think, yeah, I'm very confident and I'm very distant and that. It's not that I am. It's just that I've t- I'll take the fear out of it as best as I can because, you know, mm. I'm used to dealing with stuff I'm not comfortable doing. Mm. And it's my career thing. And like that transfers to anything, not just mortal fear stuff. You're, like I worked in the fashion industry for a year, for God's sake. Like, what the hell? Like, mm. you know me? Yeah. So. And are you enjoying this part of the career? I do. I love it. Uh, I tell you, I, what, what I love about it is the different people I meet because, you know, like when I worked in, in the military and even in private security, you know, it's a particular type of person you're meeting a lot, mm. you know, or, you know, the same kind of caliber of guy. Whereas with this now, I, you know, I get to work with sports teams. I get to work with prisoners, you mm-hmm. know, in, 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 in around the country in, 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 in different um kind of uh, programs. I work with school children about stress, about dealing with, you know, mindset and coping techniques and stuff like that. So like, I love that variety of people because you learn something new all the time. Mm. Even though you're the person going in, giving the talk, like the way it rolls. And I love having that kind of fluidity about it, that whatever direction it takes, you go with it because you get so much more out of people then when you give them, Mm. you know, the kind of a bit of autonomy to do whatever they're doing in in their training or whatever. And like, you'll always get great stuff back, especially from like kids and mm. young people. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah. And your training company now, is it, is it mostly talking to, like you say, to kids or to businesses? Or are you doing some stuff to actually, are you doing team building stuff to bring people out and torture them? Yeah, and I, I them still you? have to have that torture bit going on. That yeah. has to work as well, yeah. I get my fix out of that then. Mm. So, yeah, I do a bit of that too, yeah. Yeah, mm. with uh, some, some professional sports teams. Yeah. And like, when you look at the average group of people that you you bring out or that you put into these situations. I just, I wonder about context, you know, how many of us that haven't been in those situations can thrive and survive in them? Or, you know, do you, do you think it's a little bit like the nature versus nurture question? Is it, you know, how many, if you take a group of 20 or 30 or 50 people that have never been in any of those kind of survival situations, you know, is there, is there always going to be a percentage of them that are going to thrive and rise to the challenge or yeah like i think it's quite varied like um 
I suppose, again, it comes down to people. And again, it's not the fittest person or the strongest or the smartest. I, I think it's the person who understands themselves the best. Mm. They know their vulnerabilities. They know their weaknesses, obviously, and their strengths as well. So, like, they're relatively comfortable with that and they accept that, mm. which is more important. They're aware of it and they accept it. And those are the kind of people that excel in any sort of environment mm. or stress because they're, they know, they actually know where it'll be tight for them, where it'll be better, you know, like it's not going to last forever, it'll mm. go whatever way. But like, I, I find that's the kind of person who makes it through like a hell week or, or these events I do with people. Yeah. Doesn't always, like sometimes the loudest person or the person that's the fittest or the person who comes out to the fore first isn't always the person to get through it. Like, mm. you know? And that it, it all comes back to that grit piece, isn't it? And that's yeah. that just determination to keep going, no keep matter going. how hard it yeah. how hard it feels. Suffering silence. That's yeah. what they used to say on the range. Absolutely. You know? So what's next for you? What what's <clears throat> coming up in the in, in, in the near future? What are you excited yeah, about? Uh, there's there's a few things maybe, you know, there's a few projects um kind of Maybe more some more book stuff. Uh, more the book TV. was brilliant, by the way. I have to say, I read it, and or I read it when it, when it was brand new, yeah. and, and it was absolutely brilliant. It it uh, it came across as a really, just really genuine, yeah. you know, and um, it was a, it was a really good read Excellent. actually. Yeah, look, look, I wrote it the way it happened and the way I thought about it, you know. So, yeah, because like. Like, I wasn't going to write a book, but, you know, some war book. Like, you get fellas in US Special Forces and UK with dime a dozen for those. Like, you can all mm. the shootouts you want. But, like, I wanted something that was more kind of real. Mm. And, like, it's not about being, like, Superman or Superwoman or being the best. It's about being your best and doing your best mm. whenever you get a chance to do it. Yeah. You know? What was the process like for writing that? Um, it was actually straightforward enough. Obviously, I had to corroborate a few things with different people, mm. uh, get a few permissions here and there, um, mm. realize what I couldn't put in, what I could. Uh, but I actually wrote it in like six weeks or something like that. Really? Because if you think of it like, you know, I was nominated for some book award and I was meeting some other writers that I would call proper writers who mm. write real books. And I remember talking to this lady who was, um, you know, best-selling author, three or four bestsellers to her name and, you know, writing these fantastic books. And she asked me, that question, what was your process? I said, well, I just kind of sat down. I wrote down the top 10 things I wanted in the book mm. and where that happened to me, you know, mm. in a chronological order. And um, she said, how long did it take? And I said, six weeks. And she nearly died. Like she said, it's three years from my process. Like, mm. But she's, you know, she's researching, she's bringing stuff in. Everything I did, I saw it or I felt it, it happened mm. to me. So it's easy to do that now. Yeah. You know, I found it very kind of... Um, uh, kind of empowering sort of activity as well. I, I didn't realize I'd get as much over personally by mm. doing it over the six weeks. And I wrote it, I wrote the book. I actually, my company and the book, I did them all in the same six weeks from 20 to 21, um, December 20 to January 21. So I got the company, stood up and wrote the book in six weeks. So well, listen, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, fa a fantastic story so far. And uh, and I just I'm really I really appreciate you coming in and having a chat with us because um, I think one of the things the first time I spoke with you the first time we met uh, I suppose the difference from the the TV persona uh, putting people through their their paces to I just find you to be very insightful mm. uh, in terms of uh, you know the human psyche and how we approach challenges and how we get through things so I really appreciate you coming in and doing this 
and uh, looking forward to seeing what you what you get up to over the next while. Hopefully, there'll be another series uh, yeah, uh, of the show as well. So yeah. Yeah, we, we might do a kind of a mixed one: Hell Week meets Love Island or something like that. Let's see. That would certainly Let's get see. the viewers. <laughs> Ray Goggins, yeah. thanks a million. Thanks, Donald. It was great hearing from Ray. To find out more about him, you can follow him on Instagram at Goggins underscore Ray. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube at Talent Matters underscore podcast.